Hello everyone, welcome to episode 510 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This season we're chatting with the performers of the Cold Waves 5 Festival in Chicago, September 23rd and 24th at Metro. Friday night, your acts are Meat Beat Manifesto, Clock TVA, The Black Queen, Vampire Anvil, Chant, Polyfuse, and Hyde. Saturday, the acts are The Cox, Pig, Cubinate, 16 Volt, Dead When I Found Her, Bloody Knives, and Conga. This week, we're chatting with Addie Newton. This is Clock TVA.
since you've been performing since the 70s, I feel like the way people create music has changed a lot. People now, they probably just create everything with their computer and their software. So I want to hear about the way things used to be. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we first began, you know, we, we were using uh, all electronics. That, well, apart from the tape recorder, which is like an analog. I mean, they were all analog, but the synthesizers, but uh, they were using digital sort of control and stuff, I think. Yeah, I mean, we had to make the whole thing, you know, with instruments, really. So we just wanted to try and make it totally like an electronic integration of things, you know. In the early days like that, we would use things like echo machines, reverb, various processes as well, you know. Synth I bought after the future, actually. I bought it after when the future split. (laughs) You know about the future, yeah? Yeah, it's the first sort of group I was really involved with. It's formed in 78, very early. We made some recordings as well. We did a whole bunch of recordings and stuff. Some great tracks, you know. I think they came out on the, uh, the Human League. But yeah, I mean, we had to, you know, we had to devise the whole pattern, the sequence, the sound, you know, vocals or whatever, you know, manipulation, processing we wanted to do it had to be, it had to be all done in live as well to be able to do it live. In fact, I mean, we you know we do some improvisational things. Were really good. I think the first things we recorded were the best, you know, because we we didn't have any intentions as such. You know what I mean? We didn't, and it was sort of really fluid, you know, and intuitive, and right. it happens like straight away, you know. And if you capture it, that's the best. The first take, you know, that's the best. I was, I was only using tapes, really. And, uh, I wanted to introduce more acoustic things. The other guys had other ideas, you know, they wanted to move it towards a more pop-orientated level, you know, which I, I, I disagreed with. So, we, you know, we had a sort of difference of opinions and I had to sort of re- rethink about what I was doing, you know. And that's when I started working on my own material at that time, which I released recently in a box set of six albums. Actually, five of them are from myself. first one is The Future. It's all the future recordings. It's got a booklet in there as well. It's like a huge booklet. Sort of interesting articles and stuff, you know, uh, psychotronics, art, you know, and different things, different aspects of uh, music, you know, different uh, pioneers in music, you know. The things began with the tape manipulation in the 50s, you know, at Princeton University and so on, you know, Bort and Zabotnik and the other guys who were doing things. Uh, cage at that time, you know, and they were using a lot of tape manipulation. I think it was really interesting, you know. That's where I drew my inspiration from, you know, from that their, their experiments. Miraglu, who's brilliant, he did an amazing album with Freddie Hubbard, a trumpet player, fantastic. And he, the use of the tape and the processing and everything is astonishing, still amazing today, you know. So, yeah, that's that's my kind of background, you know, partly in jazz and all kinds of music, really, you know, avant-garde, folk, you know, uh, jazz, uh, minimal music, you know, uh, electronics, all that kind of stuff that was happening, you know. Is the way you create music now a lot different than the way you were creating back then? Do you, are you using a lot of the modern tools? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we would have adopted straight away use a computer, which we did, you know, I mean, as soon as it was available, we were using it. They were amazing, really, even though they were very limited. They still presented a lot of possibilities that we wanted to do, you know, be able to edit sound and look at sound and really take it apart and sort of rebuild it and reshape it and 
do all kinds of things with it because, you know, you can do so much. Tonality and, and timbre and rhythm and especially wind instruments are great, you know. I've been using a lot of that recently on my solo album. I'm doing a solo album now. Well, I've nearly finished it now. How is the solo album compared to the Clock TV stuff? It's, I think it, it has some elements of it, yes. It's different, you know. It's got it's a it's a nice mixture of uh, genres and, and soundscapes and ideas, you know, concepts and sounds, you know. It's different. It's de- definitely different. Yeah. 
It looks like as you release your work, you're very careful about how it's presented physically. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I am. So I am. tell me about some of the unique releases you put out, you know, like the, the USB drive. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The USB drive was great. It was uh, like a metal uh, credit card, like aluminium, brushed aluminium. I, had, uh, I think it was four gig solid state memory. And it was in a little metal case, which was printed on both sides. There was a sticker on it, I think, as well. And then the card was inside there. Yeah, I mean, it's great. We had videos on there, a whole bunch of videos. One was the one we made with a 16mm film in Amsterdam with a director. Yeah, so it's a great product, though. I think it's a great thing because you can have sort you can have them. There's a PDF on there, so like a, it's like a 48 or more page document. I think it's longer than that. Um, there's, there's articles on uh, Vokoda. The voice related to Bacoda, you know, like phonetic poetry, you know. So it's like a, a multimedia release, you know, you're not just getting the music, yeah, you're getting yeah, the videos yeah. and you're able to read stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's more uh, expensive, isn't it? Because, you you know, you've got text to look at to, for and, and ideas, you know, and then you can reflect on that with the sound as well, you know, like the Cabaret 13, the track, and, and, and reflect on, on, on the text on the ideas and then listen to the peaks. I think the appreciation level is increased because you're understanding more about the actual thing that's happening in that track with the phonetics and the recorded electronic voices and so on and how they're manipulated and used. It makes it, it, makes it kind of a, you know, and, and in reference to poetry of uh, Mayakovsky, the early um, protagonist of Bazaar uh, poetry, which was like a spoke, spoken one, like an action one, like a rap almost, I guess, you know, I don't know, formalising uh, words and, and poetry, you know, into a kind of rhythmic and uh, expressive form, you know. And Mayakovsky was, you know, a master of that. This Cold Wave show will be your first time in the United States in a while. Oh, God, yeah, that was in 86 or something. We played uh, New York. Why, yes, such a, yes. why such a long gap? Uh, I don't know. Well, lots of things, I guess. <laughs> Probably because we were more active in Europe, you see. More yeah. active in Europe. Tell, uh, tell me about what, what fans could expect from your live set. Well, I mean, the visuals are great, you know, especially in a live context. You know, they're, they're, they're very uh, graphic, you know, nice continuity with the sound, you know. Yeah, I think it works well, you know, we're there, you know, we've got a feel in there, a live feel, you know, the vocals and everything, so, yeah, I think it's good. It's good to play live, it's totally different, so it's a good good practice, you know, it's a good thing to do. Recently, we were in EMS in Stockholm, recording there, so we were really pleased, we did a lot of, lot of recordings there, uh, which um, I've got to listen through to I've properly I had a little listen and it sounded great so yeah I mean you know we're busy doing developing material I mean really we got to, we want to do an LP really that's, but it's so um, 
difficult to do sometimes, you think, because of the past and the future.
On this episode, you heard The Hacker, The Constructor, and Neoteric. For more info on Clock DVA, head to the Anterior Research Communication site at armcomm.co.uk. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to our show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Greg Puchato from The Black Queen. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's F.J. DeSanto from The Aggression and Hype Factor with how Jamie changed his life. You know, Ackerman is responsible for me meeting my wife. Yeah, that's a true story because my wife lived in D.C. and Virginia Beach. And they would sometimes stay with me. Then they'd go down to D.C. and stay at her place. And then we literally had our first conversation AOL chat room, an industrial baby chat room, right? And she, she goes, oh, I know you from the Ackerman guys. And then we started emailing and started talking, and that's how we met in person. So, and, uh, so Ackerman is responsible. Actually, Jamie was the real one who was like, kept saying to me, you got to meet this girl. And that's how it happened.